Hello, welcome to the Two Coffee Teachers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I am Alex, and we are two young educators who want to really contribute to our field. So on this podcast, we're talking about education, relevant content to apply to our classrooms. So ultimately, it is our hope that this is a podcast that can also encourage educators without needing that second cup of coffee. If you're new to the podcast today, welcome. We're glad to have you. If you're a regular subscriber, thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us this week. Yeah, absolutely. So for today's main topic, we're going to be discussing our student teaching middle school placement. So Josh and I just recently completed our uh, first block of full-time student teaching. Sure. So we were both in middle schools for eight weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, no, we were both in there for nine weeks. Right, because we went in early. Yeah, yeah, we both went in a little bit early since we're overachieving a little bit. One, you get that extra <laughs> week to hang out with our kids and yep. with our uh, host teacher, our cooperating teacher. Uh, but we are, we're just moving on to the high school level. We just completed our first week at the high school level, so we'll have much more to talk about once we get settled in with, with that. But we figured that we haven't had an episode where we just kind of, with the exception of the pilot, where we just kind of talk about what's going on in our lives. Yeah, and I think our heart behind this is that we haven't really adju- uh, uh, acknowledged quite literally our experiences we've referenced it in previous episodes but i think this will be good today uh to get our audience kind of up to pace with where we are in the profession as well as kind of express some things that we learn and you and i can take the time to reflect on experience as well you know what's been really fun about this podcast josh is that we've had opportunities to learn a lot about different topics within the field of education we've done a lot of research on various things and preparing for different shows and Uh, comprising our show notes and we've had a lot of feedback with different um, listeners and our and our audience members and uh, with I mean now that we're going on about the six month anniversary coming up on roughly the six month anniversary of our podcast I mean we've grown a ton as educators yeah and it's been cool because we've been able to kind of come combine all of these conversations and all of this new knowledge and we really got to implement that or we got a nice opportunity to implement that right uh this past student teaching block i mean just being a part of this professional learning network in preparing for podcasts and talking and working and collaborating with our audience has really broadened my perspective in general it's crazy to think about before we started the podcast where we were in our mindset in the profession, in our, what we th- thought our capabilities were compared to now, and it's startling. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited it, for another eight weeks of student teaching, it's too. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be sure. very different. But before we get to that, let's talk about the experience that we had. Alex, do you want to start and kind of talk about where you've been for the past eight weeks and kind of what your general experience has been like. Yeah, absolutely. So for sake of anonymity, uh, we're, we're essentially just going to say that we are both we both were in schools in the Shenandoah Valley. So sure, we're, yeah. We're going to leave out school districts and school names, uh, cooperating teacher names, just for uh, their privacy's sake. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. But uh, so we were so my placement, uh, I was in. A uh, awesome middle school, mm. uh, very uh, unbelievable atmosphere. Um, it was an interesting middle school, so th- it was set up in the teams. So I I taught um, on, on a team, um, and it, it, with a team we have four uh, core subject teachers that okay. uh, share the same group of kids. So mm-hmm. uh, myself, the math teacher, the social studies, or excuse me, I'm social studies, the language arts teacher, and mm-hmm. the science teacher. 
Uh, we had weekly meetings. We had the same group of kids th for the entire year. Yep. All of our rooms are right in that same little area. We're all just uh, uh, rocks throw away from each other. So it's in that nice. same niche or nook area, yeah. Yeah, and what's also fun is that uh, both of – so my room and the language arts rooms, we shared one of those divider walls. So a lot of times we'd open it up to hang out. We'd do that during planning. Uh, it's the same with the math and the science. Uh, they have that little wall divider as yeah. well. So it, it kind of helps with that, with staff bonding too. Yeah. Uh, because when the staff is uh, really close, it means that you're gonna work, um, you're gonna work together for the sake of the kids. Yeah. Which is really cool, um, and it also helps that these were all people that have been that are friendly with each other outside the building too. So you yeah. really get that uh, cohesiveness and chemistry going. Yeah. So that was a, that was a nice atmosphere for me to come into as a student teacher because not every uh, school has that where the, where the faculty is very well not even bonding but they they get along so well yeah and it, it helps that the, uh, these teachers uh, my my host teacher and uh, the language arts teacher have both worked together for 15 years and they've been very close friends with each other sure, for yeah. 15 years uh, the entire team so that includes language arts social studies and that the math and science teachers, they've been a team for 11 years. Wow. So Very consistent. Yes. Yes. So everyone knows each other's philosophies, strengths, weaknesses, uh, personalities. So it's nice. It was nice to see each other or all those teachers build off each other. Yeah. So I taught four sections of U.S. History 2. Uh, so U.S. History 2 is... Uh, at the middle school level. At the middle school level, it pretty much starts with the Reconstruction era, right at the end of the Civil War. Okay. And moves all the way through So uh, like 1866, day. essentially, through uh, the present day. Okay. Yeah, so when I came in, we were wrapping up uh, some World War One content, which was really cool. Uh, so I, I spent that time just kind of observing and kind of getting to know the kids and... Uh, getting a feel for how my teacher managed behavior and his uh, daily procedures with warm-ups and with mm -hmm. fast work or so on and so forth, different activities. And then I, when I took over the class full-time, I taught a six-week unit on the Jazz Age. Six weeks on the yeah. Jazz Age. Yeah, that so is a lot. That is a lot. And it's cool because we can do that because it is a non-SOL, meaning that we mm. don't have that crunch to um, – cram in a bunch of content and then have to leave out a month to prepare for uh, a standardized test. I mean, Right. So maybe we should clarify quickly. In case you, you're not an active member of Virginia schools or you haven't lived in Virginia, yeah. uh, the SOL stand for the Standard of Learning, and they are the standardized tests and that students have to take at the end of most classes in their career. Uh, sixth and seventh grade at the middle school level is unique in that at least in our social studies classes, there is not a required SOL test to be taken um, at the end of the unit. So that gives us a level of flexibility to pursue different topics in a more, mean not necessarily more meaningful, but appropriately with our students. Yeah, so for example, um, let's say, imagine that my uh, class was an SOL. So my unit on the Jazz Age, which I drew out over six weeks, this would be something if it were an, an SOL class, so uh, this were a class where we had to cram through content as fast as we could, maybe spend three or four lessons on it. Yeah. And I got to draw that out over six weeks. I mean, that's, awesome. that's cool to like go deeper into that and talk about like the influence of jazz and who, who was a part of that movement. And the yeah, the culture, um, some of the struggles of uh, different people, but... 
Yeah, it, it was a really fun experience to do that. Um, we all, it was kind of interesting because in our preparation and in our studies, we've always learned about um, that student-oriented learning and uh, where students really discover uh, the content. Yeah, absolutely. They kind of figured, figured it out on their own while we just serve as facilitators. And I felt like I was really able to do that. And mm-hmm. it's something that, I mean, I, I was always skeptical about really up until I took over this classroom, this idea of student-centered learning, especially in an educational environment uh, that is our country today where it's so test-driven. Yeah. But this this was a fun, it was a fun experience where I got to be creative with lesson planning and project activities, mm-hmm. and I really got to come up with ideas where the students were able to learn for themselves, and they were able to ask their own questions and kind of continue to make them a little bit more independent with uh, school. Yeah. That's neat. That's yeah. really cool. Um, so is there anything you'd like to tack on about your experience kind of there? I mean, I'll ask you some questions about it in a minute. But Yeah, sure. So I, I think we're going to be touching on this in a future episode. Actually, our next episode, which is going to be behavior management. Sure. Uh, so that's just a little preview. But I really wanted to, and I'll, I'll reiterate some of these things in that upcoming episode, but what really struck me with, or what, what really um, made me envy my teacher or what I really admired about my host teacher was how he could manage a classroom. Mm. I mean, it was almost, a, it was like a military in there <laughs> where uh, the, the students were, fall, I mean, everyone knew that, I mean, this is something that he had practiced and he really uh, emphasized at the beginning of the year, which is something that I wish we could uh, have seen to be in our placements, maybe in mm-hmm. the fall versus the spring. But that's yeah. a philosophical thing we could get into yeah. another day. <laughs> sure. With red tape and all that. But uh, these students, they knew to come into the classroom. They sat down immediately. They knew that there's a warm up on the board. They, they understood the routine. Yep. They know that if they have a, a pencil problem, they need to sharpen their pencil. They just throw their pencil in the hair. I'll come around and grab it. We'll sharpen wow. it. Uh, they know to op- when to open and close their text, their notebooks. They know when to take out their planners. They they, they, they know understood. How to move they understood and, what their expectations were. Yeah, and they know what the consequences are too. So uh, they the school that I was at, or at least our team, they implement something called think slips, where uh, for for negative or for behavior that we want to fix, uh, the student gets a think slip. So. Uh, say, for example, the student uh, the student came unprepared for class, maybe because they didn't have their binder with them, or okay. maybe because they didn't have a pencil. For or some reason. What, yeah. Something. It happens so, a lot in middle school. So we'll give them a think slip. So we'll say, all right, so this is a think slip. And you, if you get three think slips during a week, then that's when you have to have the next step, which is the office referral or the conference with the parent. So so what I'm hearing is that a think slip, they pro, do they write down like what they did wrong and how they're going to improve on that? They yeah, think so, about it? Yeah, okay. so sometimes, yeah, you know, maybe infer, so a yeah. student, maybe for example, say a student comes in without a binder. Okay, okay. so let's give him a think slip. Uh, so the student says, uh, was unprepared, John Smith was unprepared for class because uh, he, he did not have his binder. And then the student has an opportunity to c- explain themselves. So maybe if the student says, oh, well, uh, I was at my mom's house and I left my binder at my dad's, like, in route. Sure. Then, yeah. Okay, that's total. All right, we get that. That's something that um, we, that's not really something that's punishable. Now, mm-hmm. of course, we'll remind how important it is as you get older that you need Responsibility, to keep up with yep. belongings. But we're not going to punish a student for something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
So I, I really liked that, um, and it was nice to um, emulate that as well because the students uh, recognized that I was going to be following the same steps as my host teacher in terms of um, how you manage their classroom. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. That was something that I learned a lot. And I really do think that, and we'll talk, again, we'll talk about this a lot to, on our next episode, but uh, if if a teacher cannot manage a classroom, uh, then yeah, it's uh, difficult. Every, it doesn't matter how good you are at differentiating, doesn't matter how smart you are with content, uh, but if you aren't able to manage that classroom, then uh, all those other intricate pieces aren't going to come together yeah well i'll tell you what that was something that i really observed as well i think maybe before i talk about that i'll tell you about what my experience was yeah uh so i was working in a, in a fantastic middle school as well in a sixth grade social studies classroom uh so that sixth grade social studies class is the opposite of what you were teaching it's u.s history up to 1865 instead of after uh so i i was dealing with geography i was talking about american indians and colonists and things like that instead of maybe world wars. Um, what was really interesting about my class, and at least my circumstances, were that there were two really interesting things that I think I wanted to know. The first one is that um, the students are on a block schedule. They're on it for 90 minutes. Um, and what would happen was is that at my school, I don't know if this would happen at your school, but the students would have social studies for half the year, and then they go to science or vice versa. Ah, okay. And so what happened was is that the semester ended in, like, middle of January. So I had been there for two weeks where I had worked with a whole sem different semester of students and then switched to a whole new semester of students. That's very different. Which was good because I got to see – and this is something that we don't usually get the opportunity to do in placements or student teaching. But I saw how a teacher can wrap up a class, like a whole unit or course – and I got to see how they start on the essentially the first day as yeah. well, which is something that we don't really get trained on or discuss or see in our program, uh, just the way the scheduling works out. So I thought that was really neat. That is a unique experience, especially just the – you want now to have a quick timeout, let's talk about schedule. Okay. So you said you were on block schedule. So yeah. does that mean that students uh, essentially had – three or four they had four periods yeah and they're all 90 minutes each so you have did you have 45 minutes so yeah so i was on a daily schedule so that's right we that talked daily about that schedule you have um for those of you that maybe don't know what i mean by daily schedule it, it's essentially students the students have seven uh seven or eight class periods different courses uh they see they go to that schedule or they go to each class in that order on a daily basis. So the class periods are about 47, 48 minutes. Yeah. Um, it was something I really liked because you I got saw to see all my the students kids every, every day. single day. Yep. I knew the order. My schedule was the same. I didn't have to go back and forth. Sure, of course. Yeah. So since you were on a block schedule, I know that uh, students, since you mentioned it was semester. So that means that the students, they still had that daily routine. Mm -hmm. It's just that you go one semester of that daily routine and then at mid January, you Go to a, go different, to a different one. one. Ah, yeah. Okay. Uh, which was good because they, I, I enjoyed 90 minutes because I feel like I had more time to flush things out. Mm -hmm. um, there was just more class time. There were more student-centered opportunities, more sure, project sure. opportunities. Um, that may not have been totally as available in a 45-minute schedule. Yeah. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it, um, and I enjoyed seeing the, the end and the beginning of classes as sure. well. But um, So – now with uh, with high school, I'm I'm currently at um, a block schedule that is 
Uh, it, it is four periods, but we go with the odd versus even days. So we still have eight classes, just that we alternate days seeing them. Mm -hmm. So do you th would you rather prefer that, or did you like uh, how at least you got to see the kids every day? It was just stretched out. I mean, I think it just depends on the school and the population that they're dealing with. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a variation of odd and even days or one and two days or A and B sure, days. Sure. Uh, at this school as well with kind of their electives and their other core, outside of core classes that they would yeah. go to different ones every day. Um, I, I don't have a huge opinion about that, I don't think. I don't know, do you have a huge opinion about that? I think I think it's something we'll be able to discuss a little bit more in the coming months as we get a little bit more into our new This placements. particular one, yeah. I, I really enjoyed seeing the kids every day. I yeah. really enjoy routine. Yeah. Um, I'm finding it um, that I'm going to need some adjustments, at least with this first week, going on an odd versus even, going back and forth, yeah. back and forth. Yeah. It's not the duration of the class period that bothers me. Uh, as much as inconsistency, uh, inconsistency. I understand especially that. maybe if you have more than uh, one preparation. So if you are teaching more than uh, one course, so if you're teaching two or three different it can, courses, it can end up being a lot. Yeah, I can see that. It can yeah. get a little confusing, but we'll, we'll see, see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so so uh, just to finish up describing my placement, kind of what that was like. Um, the most unique thing that really happened during my middle school placement was with my cooperating teacher who was wonderful, uh, I had you know, no issues with her. What happened was out of her control, and I don't know if I told you about this, but she, uh, she got injured. She slipped on black ice uh, during one of the snowstorms that hit us here in Virginia pretty hard, yeah. and she, um, she broke both her limbs. Jeez. Yeah, like she, she broke both her limbs, and so she couldn't type, and you know, she, you know, she had like two or three fingers she could like text. She did a lot of voice diction to communicate with me. But early in the placement, she left the building. Like she was gone for four or five weeks. Mm -hmm. um, which was interesting because in normal student teaching placements, like they're there as like a coach, as yeah. a resource, that kind of thing. And what really happened is that I was very much the primary teacher and that she was not in the building. You yeah. know what I mean? Now, I did have a, su a substitute, but since I was the student teacher, I felt qualified to do this. I had two or three weeks of experience in the classroom already, so I understood the routine, the expectations. I knew all the students. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. So it was unique in that it really was my classroom because she wasn't there to give curricular advice, coaching advice throughout the day, and I really decided what we were going to do the next day. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so that was a unique experience, I think. Maybe that was a little different than some of what you had or maybe what our colleagues had. Now, I know a lot of those teachers maybe left the room, made it your classroom, but um, I really like did not have much of a co-teacher presence. Now, she did communicate with me pretty periodically, yeah. like, you all set for tomorrow, do you have any questions, things like that. Um, but not having that available resource really put me in the deep end to figure out how to swim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I do knowing who your supervisor was and yeah. knowing how wonderful your supervisor is. It's nice to have at least that university liaison to yeah. help you out, especially with her experience as a right. social studies educator too. Yeah, uh, that that was definitely. I know that was going to be helpful for you. I did have supports like the school established people that could evaluate me on a consistent basis, and I had the university supervisor come from the university to evaluate me every several days or so. Uh, and so I did have people keeping, like, checking in on me, uh, as well as my cooperating teacher. 
Um, but I think it went it, it I think it went really well. The students learned. The assessments kind of reflected learning. Uh, behavioral issues happened like they do in middle school. Yeah. But I think the overall result was positive. Um, I had the administration thank me personally at the end of the time there just for really stepping up to the plate. Uh, it was, overall, it was a positive experience, but I definitely needed to learn to swim. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think I think the pros outweigh the cons in your situation. It's definitely nice to have that in-house coach. Yeah. And in the case that something were to really blow up in your face, at least you have a crutch to lean on. Right. Um, but on the flip side, of course, that you know that you can't let stuff uh, yeah. hit the fan, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I did have someone there as a substitute who sat in the back of the room for liability reasons and things like that. So there was supports available, but uh, it really was a little unconventional. But, hey, we're, fl- we're teachers, man. we got to be flexible. we got to roll with it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of what happened. So teaching sixth grade. Yeah. So that sixth grade, uh, these students are just coming from elementary school. Yeah. Right? Uh, so what was your role in kind of helping – I continue to develop them on an educational, even on a personal level. I think having expectations that don't align with an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Expectations in that, in that classroom and subsequent consequences that are appropriate for a middle school. When you, when you and I stepped into that classroom, they had been in middle school for four and a half, five months now. Yeah. Now, the particular grade that I was working with this year of students was as some other teachers have told me, not very mature compared to past years. And so I did deal with a lot of kind of immature things. Uh, Establishing clear expectations with me as the primary teacher was important to saying, this is is what I expect of you. You know, you are not in elementary school anymore. It's time to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And for most part, I think a lot of them did. You know, there are some people that didn't, and that's okay. They're just taking a little while to mature than some of the other students. But I was overall impressed compared to how most students rose to the occasion saying, I am at middle school now, and I could trust them with a lot of things that I didn't think I would be able to. Yeah, I, I totally understand that for sure. With seventh grade, uh, the way that I think my cooperating teacher framed it was that as each year goes on, uh, the responsibility – is focused more on the student more and more. Yeah. Right? So we know that once you get to high school, uh, the teachers aren't going to be chasing you down for makeup work. Right? No, absolutely. Uh, when college comes around, if, if students are going to college, or at least in their junior and senior years of high school, um, the, the teachers aren't even going to reach out and say, hey, do you need help? Yeah. It, it, is, the, it is complete control of the uh, student. So in seventh grade, we noticed that I think it was, it's really starting to shift the balance more towards student-centered uh, responsibilities. So, yeah, I see that. So we are always – we have a period for reading, or we had a period for reading. and I like the students would all read. Is that what... It's essentially a study hall. So there are, so this, there are students that maybe are uh, – Require certain, extra help. Yeah, so the so there are students that um, that were placed in ma- into maybe math for remediation, extra practice problems. Mm-hmm. Some students were placed with the reading specialist, yeah, uh, of course, over yeah. vocabulary. But then I think the general population of students were then placed either in my class or, or in the language arts uh, classroom. Yeah, and those are t- or the science classroom, and then. 
Uh, that's really an opportunity. I mean, of course, they always have to have their silent reading book on them, but that's the that's really the study hall opportunity where. Well, that's good. Can, I mean, I think that's a consistent float. theme that stu schools are not providing some kind of yeah, flexible so th this period. This is the time for for the students to catch up on work, uh, see other teachers, what's missing. Uh, maybe if there's a computer or technology uh -huh. related project and they don't have that opportunity to work on it at yeah. home, this is where they can do it. Yeah. So. What I really like about that is, is that opportunity is there because we will help and we will give you the resources, but we're starting to teach the students that we're not going to come chase you down. Right. We're not going to, if a student's out for three days, mm -hmm. we're not going to um, show up on a Thursday after they're out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with a list and writing out instructions for everything they yeah. do. That's something that was seen a little bit in my observations in the school in sixth grade. Yeah. I, obviously, it's something that we see in elementary school. But I think seventh grade, I mean, seventh grade is the halfway point of your K through 12 career. Sure, yeah. So that's really when the ball, I think, starts to shift. And that was something I noticed that um, it was challenging at times, but it was also nice to have conversations with many of those students and say, hey, Hey, buddy. This is this is the time where you really need to take a little bit more responsibility. Yeah, I, that's that's important. Maybe tack, tacking on that though, I don't want to go over our preset time limit here. So let me ask you. Uh, I'm curious if if there's someone out there who's listening, who's maybe got offered a job in a middle school, or someone who's about to start student teaching in the fall. Um, what kind of advice would you give? to a teacher that's going to be working with middle school students in the future. Now, we've only worked there for two or three months, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not, you know, we're not some of your veteran teachers like yeah. we're there for 15 years. Yeah. But what kind of advice would you give to someone who's going to work with middle school students? I think, especially as someone, as as many of my friends know who I am and as, as you know me really well, and yeah. even for the people out there, uh, they know I'm a really fun, outgoing, definitely goofy, witty guy. Uh, we don't see that as much on this podcast because it's, professional, uh, it's, it's more of the professional setting. But I think it's really important to be yourself. I noticed that it, when I, in my experiences at the high school level, mostly in practicum, that uh, you have to gain the student's respect first. And mm. you kind of have to uh, put on a show, uh, meaning that you, you have to really be someone that you might necessarily aren't. Uh, to win over those students and uh, engagement uh, engage is not them. on them; it's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with middle school, I really enjoyed being authentic. Mm. I was I was who I am. I was goofy. I was loud. I was running around the classroom. I was saying silly things to the kids. Right. And the thing was, was that it didn't matter how ridiculous you act or if the call, kids called you, wow, but Mr. P is so creepy or he's so weird. He's so weird. He's so weird. He's so weird. Um, but th at th they still respect you. They look at you as the teacher. They're going to listen to your instructions. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, that maybe it's something that isn't seen in, in different placements, but... It was something I noticed at my experience, and I really enjoyed being myself and acting how I normally do with my friends and with my family. Yeah. Um, and then having the students uh, listen to respond me. Well respond well to that, be engaged with that. Yeah. That's cool. So what, what would you say for sixth graders? I, you know to what? To turn the question around. Oh, to flip back on me. Yeah. I think the first thing I would say is that what I was surprised about is that sixth graders that, that I worked with can't type. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I expected of them that they don't have yet. Now, at the school I was working in, I took a keyboarding class at eighth grade level. Uh, 
So when it sixth grade, now in my classroom, we were piloting one-to-one iPads, mm-hmm. so which I loved using all the time for different things. But I had to plan for students who couldn't type answers very quickly, yeah. which is something I didn't think I would have to accommodate for. I'm thinking we live in the 21st century, technology, they should, they're all typing at home and whatever. But a lot of them don't have typing skills, which I was surprised at. Mm-hmm. Now, I think by seventh or eighth grade, they've probably picked up some speed. They know the proper technique up front, but coming into sixth grade a lot of them have experience with computers but don't know how to type quickly yeah and, w- that, and that's almost a geographical thing too where yeah some of, where a lot of the students in the valley area don't even have access to these technologies to the internet yeah or to the internet for sure yeah so i think that w- that was interesting i would also talk about engagement like you did as well um and i think the number one thing that you need to be good at as a middle school teacher is behavioral management um, and we're, we're going to have lots of deep conversations about this on for, the next episode. So maybe I'll save episode. that for them, but I think that would be my other tip. That's something maybe we didn't learn as much about in our school studies of education. Work, yeah. We took one class on it, but I would think it would, I would speak for most people and we would appreciate more studies in that in the future. Yeah. But we'll talk about that the next episode. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, uh, wrapping this up now, Uh, We really enjoyed our experiences with our middle school placements. We're looking forward to our high school placements for sure, but I think we both got a lot out of our experiences. We definitely have made a ton of connections, both professionally um, and personally with our cooperating teachers and with some of our other staff members or even other student teachers that we got to interact with in the school. So I'm really thankful uh, for that opportunity. And I'm definitely taking all of those memories with me, but I'm looking forward to continuing to improve as a student teacher and yeah. um, taking what I learned in middle school and maybe bring some things to high school or changing some Yeah, it's different, up. but you and I started this past week, and uh, it's a new experience, but I think it's going to be a good one. So as we leave middle school, uh, I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We want to continue the conversation that Alex and I had today through social media and in our Facebook group, Two Coffee Teachers. You can follow us on Twitter, at Two Coffee Teachers. You can also leave us a voicemail for our next episode at 443-300-8908. It would also be a huge help if you could rate us on iTunes, because this is the best way to get it out to other people who might be interested and what we're doing here at Two Coffee Teachers. I actually just want to give a shout-out. We recently, a couple weeks ago, uh, received a rating from uh, someone who labeled themselves as a substitute in the Shenandoah Valley uh, area. So whoever you are, uh, thank you for that five-star rating. I'm glad that uh, our podcast has somehow gone to you. Yeah. And uh, we hope that it will continue to grow and uh, reach out to other uh, professionals. So uh, ultimately, thank you for so Thank you so much for being part of our Two Coffee Teacher community. Keep up the hard work and uh, make sure you're doing that without needing that second cup of coffee. All right. Bye, guys. I can see the sweet sun pouring down in the strawberry sky. Tall grass dancing down by the St. John's Riverside. And I can see Maggie running through the fields full of wild. Spirit living a beloved life